it is still mid-June, but man, there is so much going on right now. You would think training camp starts tomorrow. It uh, doesn't start for another month and a half. But what started today, being Tuesday, was uh, the Bengals' mandatory minicamp, which runs all the way through Thursday. And man, talk about a first impression. A lot to talk about today with Joe Burrow, Jonah Williams back in the building. We catch up with Tyler Boyd in a one-on-one chat. So if you are tuning in, you chose a great day to tune in on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Welcome to another off-season edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad here with Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizek to cover lots of bases here with you today. Real quick before we start running the bases, I want to remind you guys to sign up for our Cincinnati Bengals. No, actually, I'm going to reverse course real quick. We'll get to that part later. What I want to tell you guys now is to tell us why you're a Bengals fan. Go to strictlystripes.com. And there's a form that says why I'm a Bengals fan. Tell us your story. Fill it out. It takes less than five minutes. Tell us who, how, when, where, and why I became a Bengals fan. And uh, you can also email that to stripes at cleveland.com. We're going to start sharing these responses next week. We may even have some respondents on the podcast. So make sure you fill that out as soon as you can uh, before the end of the week. So the big story among many stories today is uh, Jonah Williams was back in the building for the first time this entire offseason. He obviously came because, well, for starters, if he didn't, uh, he was going to get fined a lot of money. So I don't think he wanted that. And uh, he said himself that he will be ready for training camp. Uh, He was at practice today, but did not actually practice with the team. He did some rehab on the side with uh, the team's athletic trainers. With Chidobi and Wuzier and Leo Collins, we'll talk about. But before we get into uh, Jonah Williams and his situation, uh, here are the first two minutes of him talking about the timeline of everything that went down between the time they signed Orlando Brown up until where we are today. So take a listen. This is Jonah Williams talking in the locker room today. Uh, obviously, I hurt my knee and missed out, and that was that was tough. But I was rehabbing. You know, I was hoping to make it to the Super Bowl. I'd be able to play. Um, you know, might have been a stretch, but I was in here grinding, seeing if I could do it. Um, you know, and I had good exit interviews with the coaches and everything. And you know, they didn't give me the impression that anything was going to change. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to go out to California, rehab my knee, have my baby girl, and you know, come back and play. So that was the, that's what I was working, like that's the presumption I was working under. Um, and yeah, so my, the main issue for me was the way that I found out, the way the communication happened, because I'm sitting on my couch, you know, my fiance's 40 weeks pregnant, her due date was in, I want to say like three days. And, um, you know, I'm rehabbing my knee and all that stuff. And, you know, I found out that we signed Orlando on my phone on Apple News. And I actually had a teammate text me before and he was like, hey, have the Bengals talked to you? And I was like, uh, no, I don't, you know, have a good one. You know, I didn't know what he meant. And so I, I found out on Apple News. And so then, you know, the following day, my agent was calling the front office trying to get a hold of someone you know we just (laughs) i know uh so and he just never got a hold of anyone no one responded to us and i just didn't know what was going on and i just wanted to to hear it from them and you know the the frustrating thing is that i still haven't heard anything back we had a request to trade via text and that's just like you know i felt that i've started 47 games 38 37 straight um and I felt that if it were communicated, hey, you know, we, we have the opportunity to sign this guy and we like him, 
you know, we want you to bump over and play right tackle. I would have, you know, I would, it, it sucks. Like, it would be hard to hear, but I think in a couple of days, I would have been like, okay, let's go, let's do it. And I just never, never got that, you know. So it was never left tackle, right tackle. I know a lot of people made it out to be that. It wasn't that, you know. It's There's 64 tackle spots in the league. To have any of them is a, is a crazy, amazing opportunity. I'm super grateful, you know, for the chance. Um, so, you know, plan is to play me at right tackle. I'm, I'm fired up to do it. Let's go. All right, so as we heard from Jonah Williams, uh, he found out about this just as his wife was pregnant. He found out about it on Apple News, which that's interesting. But what's also more interesting is kind of like from what he said, uh, they tried to reach out to the front office, you know, not long after this went down and uh, to no response. And I was only in for the first five minutes of Jonah Williams uh, talking about all of this. But, uh, Mike, I know you were in on this. And, Andrew, I kind of want your take on this. I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, he said, oh, he, he he did the exit interviews at the end of the season like they weren't going to do anything. Then they make the move unexpectedly. He doesn't know about it unexpectedly. And obviously we'll hear from Zach Taylor on Friday, so he'll be asked about that, I'm sure. But does something just not add up here with the details? Because I don't know. That's a little bit interesting to me. Well, what do you mean not add up? I, I mean, I, I frankly, I thought he was pretty clear. Um, you know, his, his issue, you know, like he said, uh, you know, uh, he was sitting on the couch and that was kind of how he found out. And, you know, he kind of made the point of, you know, I, I thought pretty fairly and, and pretty, you know, pretty point blank of just, look, I I've played 47 games for this franchise and he was including playoff games in that, you know, he, he's played a lot for this team. Um, you know, he's been here since 2019. I mean, as crazy as it is to say, there's not that many guys who were, who are around at, at that time in Cincinnati. So, um, you know, he's been around a little bit. He he just kind of thought that he was owed an explanation and, and owed some communication. And, and I think that's fair to, I think that's fair to say, I, I don't right, think that's that what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think he's wrong to, um, to, to want that. Um, you know, I thought, you know, the interesting thing and, and, and Mike can talk more about this because I believe he was actually the one who asked this follow up question, um, you know, where, uh, you know, he asked just, you know, you know, you still haven't had a conversation with with the team. And, and he said, no, um, you know, he's he's talked with Zach Taylor, he's talked with the offensive line coach, Frank Pollock. Um, you know, he he's talked to teammates and everything like that. Just no one from the front office. Um, you know, and there was another question later on in the interview, you know, where, you know, we mentioned, you know, look, you know, there's, I mean, it, it, I, who's to say if it's going to be in his, uh, in his mind at the end of the year, but I mean, this is a contract year and, and it, it very clearly still kind of matters to him. Um, you know, he's, he's ready to go now he's going to play, uh, you know, it sounds like he's, he's going to do everything he can to try and win that right tackle job as, as I think could be expected. But yeah, the, to me, the interesting part is that, um, that it, that it still hasn't happened and that frankly that it never happened that conversation with the front office yeah it's bizarre you know that they, they they've sort of preached this uh zach taylor zach taylor's preached kind of this uh togetherness right. unity, um, and that's kind of been their their shtick uh as of late and um you know look i get in the heat of the moment that they might have not been able to notify him beforehand that they might not have been able to call him right away because uh, you don't want to sort of tip on a sort of happening. Um, you know, you're avoiding leaks and secrecy and all that. But um, I think it's pretty um, egregious that they uh, hadn't had a conversation, had a conversation up like, look, you don't have to honor his trade request. Um, you don't even have to uh, be happy that he requested a trade and publicly. Right. right. To at least have a conversation with somebody. It's not like he's a, um, was disgruntled. It wasn't like he, um, 
you know, it, it, like a, a malcontent on the team. This was a player that, you know, played through some, you know, came back from a dislocated kneecap in the same game earlier in the year, tried to fight through it in the playoffs, um, had been starting for you for multiple seasons. I, I, I didn't really understand sort of how they handled it. Uh, you know, Duke Tobin, Duke Tobin won't talk again, I don't think, until – um, you know, maybe if Burrow signs an extension, maybe he'll do a press conference, but until next year, so you can't really ask him and sort of get into what they were thinking. Because uh, I, I, I think it is it reflects poorly on the team that they couldn't just say, here's why we did what we did. Or we're not going to trade you. Because, like, I mean, he said, like, you know, it was more the idea that they couldn't just talk to him about it because, um, you know, they, they felt frustrated in the fallout to it. And I think he has every right to be upset. I don't think it's treating people, you know, how you want. I, I don't think you want the organization to, to that be how, you know, you're portrayed. So I, I think it's very strange. I, I mean, I just don't think that it needed to happen that way. I think they could have easily sort of, um, you know, brokered peace talks, um, whether it was a phone call, a video conference in person, um, you know, something, especially before he arrived. I mean, there's no need to. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, their front office is like upstairs at Paycor. It's not like it's like they're in a different city. You know, I don't understand. <laughs> it, it, it made, uh, you know, you know, I, I think the way Jonah explained it, you know, it's his perspective. Obviously, there are two sides. Right. But the lack of a phone call would seem to indicate, I mean, there was sim- simply some sort of breakdown because, I mean, without talking, I mean, they're obviously I mean, very strange. Well, and, and you know, to, to kind of add on to that, you know, I mean, Jonah admitted, like, you know, I think it's, <clears throat> excuse me, I, th- I think it's important to clarify, you know, Jonah mentioned, like, if they would have had that conversation with him, that that hypothetical conversation, um, you know, he admitted, you know, I, I wouldn't have been, you know, I, I wouldn't have been happy to hear it. You know, I think his, his exact phrase was, you know, it would have been hard to to hear that from the team. Um, but in a few days, I would be ready to go. And he did and that say that. Jonah's, he did say yeah, that. that that was Jonah's kind of take on, on the whole situation. So I think, you know, th- that I think, I, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't want it to come across as, is Jonah saying, you know, I would have been happy to move from, you know, from left to right and, you know, not be told that, you know, you guys are replacing me and all that, you know, he would have been upset. He would have been pissed, um, but it, it would have been a lot easier to swallow. And I think that that's totally fair. Like, like, I think we all agree on, um, you know, and, and I thought, you know, another thing, well, was, I think his, his, his thing was the result would have been, he might not have requested the trade if they had a conversation right. in the 48 yeah. hours that followed. Like he might not have been happy and it, and maybe something came down later. Like, but he, he was saying like in the moment, especially, you know, and they have those exit conversations. I'm sure the team knew his wife or his fiance or fiance, his yeah. fiance um, was expecting. And that's like a fraught time for any person um, to sort of, I mean, maybe they didn't know it was like right then. I mean, she gave birth. I think he said three days after he requested the trade. Right, um, he did. To sort of not be set, at least a little sensitive. I mean, it's your guy. It's not somebody that you're getting rid of. Or I mean, they still wanted him. Um, you know, if you're severing the ties, yeah, fine. But they still wanted him to play, and they still didn't call. Uh, very strange. I yeah, mean, and, 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 and it is. It, no, I was going to say, I mean, it de- like the, the part that I was going to add was, you know, he. I think he wanted to also make it clear 
that this was not a left, right, right, left thing. This was just a communication thing. You know, this, you know, I, I think there was a little bit of talk, but, you know, fans or whatever that were saying, you know, oh, well, Jonah just doesn't want to play the right side. And and I think we even talked on this podcast, like, you know, look, Jonah's going to be a free agent in a year. And it, it's kind of an undeniable fact. If you look at some of the yearly averages that left tackles still get paid more than right tackles, uh, the, the cost is not significant or you know or i guess to 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 nfl standards it's not significant it's only a couple million dollars as i say only laughing only. um you know the, the there is this there is a price difference but you know he i think he also kind of wanted to make that clear but yeah i mean to go back to your point it, i'm not even you know i i think we're all like i said i think we're all on the same page that there should have been some kind of conversation i don't even think that it needed to happen before or during, you know, like a, you know, a call that says, Hey, we just signed Orlando. It's going to come out in like an hour, you know, just wanted to give you the heads up. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Like, I'm not even saying that I, there's no, you know, there could have been a conversation had in the next 24 to 48 hours and said, you know, okay, Hey, we'll be in touch. We'll talk to you soon. Here's, and then you give him the lowdown and say, look, we had a chance to make our team better. You know, you're still going to be a vital part. We still, you know, expect you to come in and compete for a starting job. Like there, it was a very easy conversation to have. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he has kind of a lot of, uh, you know, frankly, a, a pretty good right to be, uh, to be upset with the team and, um, we'll see. He seems to be in good spirits now. Um, but now it's kind of past and, and I think this is, this is not, you know, after the after these couple of days, I mean, this this stuff is kind of going to go away unless one, there's an injury or two. And, you know, if everybody's healthy and, um, you know, they play out the season, this this is going to not really be a factor until uh, next offseason. So you guys said a, a lot there. And, and, I, and honestly, I was really Mike. I felt every word you were saying, you know, when you first responded to Andrew, like, here's the thing. There is another side. We're going to hear from Zach Taylor Thursday. I mean, unless Joe Burrow gets a deal done here soon, we're not going to hear from Duke Tobin for a very, very long time. Probably not till the next calendar year. But, like, that's the thing. Like, Jonah said himself, it's not because, oh, I'm going to right tackle. I'm pissed. He said himself, like, there's only, like, 64 total tackle starting positions in the NFL. 32 times 2. Yeah, there's 64. So, you know, he even joked, like, oh, if they put me at free safety, I'd play free safety. Like, it's the NFL. Um it was just about the fact that, like, your wife – or not wife, I'm sorry, fiancé's pregnant. Uh, I mean, maybe they didn't know that. But even then, regardless of whether she's pregnant or not, like, you got your guy who you made it sound like nothing was going to happen. And then even when it did, nothing. And, and I'd be interested to to hear his agent side of it because I wonder if, you know, his agent has a different take on this or a similar take with more details on this. But, yeah, I, I and I think Mike makes a really strong point. Like, you hear unity, unity. But this is not a uniting moment, and this is not to bash on the Bengals front office, but there, there's a, a disconnect there, uh, and I'll be really interested to see the other side of it. Maybe there's something we don't know that, you know, where the truth is somewhere in the middle, but it, it really just sounds like, like Andrew said, uh, Jonah Williams, <laughs> frankly, has a right to be pretty pissed. And, I mean, here's the thing. If it wasn't for him worried about getting worried about losing the money, like if he wasn't on the last year of his deal, then – who knows? Yeah, maybe he'd probably hold out longer. And I, I could understand that. I wouldn't blame him. It'd be like a Jesse Bates situation, but the only difference is he's on a contract, so he didn't want to get fined. Whereas Bates was, you know, he didn't sign his tender until late last year. So it, it was different, but it's the same idea. So 
like Andrew said, whether an injury goes down or something changes, uh, things are pretty settled and mum for now, at least till training camp. Uh, but stay with us. We're going to talk more offense as Tyler Boyd joins the podcast for a one-on-one chat with me in the locker room as he talks about fatherhood, his eighth season with the Bengals going into a contract year and being the leader of the Bengals receiving room. You don't want to miss that conversation when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Joining me is Bengals veteran wide receiver Tyler Boyd, who I don't think I've caught up with you uh, so far this offseason. Tyler, appreciate your time. How are you doing? I'm doing good, bro. You? Doing good, doing good. So obviously uh, you came back last week, uh, got your work in. You guys are in uh, phase three, the final phase of voluntary workouts. Looks like you obviously haven't missed a beat. What's been working for you so well this offseason? Just staying in shape, making sure I'm still on cue with – all the fundamental uh, aspects of the game. And, you know, I still uh, look at the um, scripts and the plays, and I still go over it uh, go over it on my own time when I wasn't around. So, you know, I, I still, still, still stayed uh, with the team and how the installs was going. So I've been pretty, pretty good. You know, a lot of guys on the offense, obviously, including T and Jamar, have said you're still the leader, you're still the guy. Um, and that's been your role for the last couple of years. But how different is it being the guy going into it's year seven now, right? Year eight? How different is it going into year eight? Oh, it's not too different. You know, it's still the same. It's just at this point, it's just about uh, consistency. You know, how long you can do it, how, how long you can do it at, at, at a good rate. You know, and now that I got other, other some young guys like T and Chase uh, molded into themselves and starting to become the up and coming leaders, and they can kind of uh, help bring the camaraderie f- uh, for the younger guys. What's it been like seeing younger guys like Charlie Jones come in? What have you seen from the new guys like him and Chase Brown and others that have, you know, been practicing so far with you all? Oh, just how fast that they learn the offense. You know, I haven't been around too much to kind of critique their abilities and how they play. But the one thing that kind of stood out is just uh, how, how well uh, Troy, you know, got them guys prepared, man. They, they come out there and it, it might be misconstrued. Some of them might be a little uh, brain fart, but um, right. everything else, they, they, they've been pretty much on cue. You know, Joe Burrow has said before that the championship window, Super Bowl window is his whole career. But you look at the depth you guys have this year, all the weapons you all have, you know, every year, is super, you know, the Super Bowl is the goal. That doesn't change. But is there a different level of urgency going into this year, knowing how close you guys have been the last two years trying to get that championship? Yeah, it's always a, sort of a sense of urgency. You know, that's how we want to play. We want to play fast and, and, and make guys have to match our energy. You know, we want to uh, be the team to impose our will on whoever we play, you know. So we will always come out there with such an uh, we'll go out there with uh, some urgency and just um, uh, play our best ball. You know, since Joe Burrow has been drafted, obviously you had COVID. He had the the knee recovery the last two years. The appendectomy last year. So I guess you knock on wood. He's still trying to get that full, complete off season. And up to this point so far, how has he looked, and how has the offense looked collectively so far? Uh, we look great. You know, I always felt like that. You know, I mean, it's, it, it is it polished as we want it yet you know but that's why we do these things that's why we got ota that's why we got training i mean minicamp and that's why we could get to get, get get together and get all the guys uh rolling on the same speed kind of my second to last question you said you know you guys want to get polished you know from your eyes from your standpoint what does a polished Bengals offense look like uh just everybody uh on the same beat you know every guy doing their assignment you know because if one or two people don't do their assignment each play then the play isn't going to go anywhere that's why uh, i feel like football is the greatest team sport because everybody got to be on cue everybody got to be on one beat and if we could if we could do that more plays than other teams then we'll always be successful 
Tyler, my last question. I know you spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh with your family uh, before you came back for voluntary workouts. What do you like to do uh, in the offseason, whether it's in Cincinnati, whether it's in Pittsburgh? I know you got a family. You know, what do you like to do with them in your spare time? You know, what do you enjoy doing most? Uh, I mean, the, 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 the biggest thing I enjoy was just being able to just really spend that amount of time with my daughter, you know, because uh, usually I, I come to training camp, I mean, uh, OTAs, and it's a quick turnaround from the season because we've been playing late, and I feel like it's been so quick that I couldn't really embrace that yeah. parenting role. You know, I could wake up, take my daughter to school, go yeah. pick her up, um, have her chill over the crib, just just being a parent, you know, stepping away, you know, and all the other stuff is, is already built in, but that was just probably the most important thing that I wanted her to feel. Busy dad, busy dad. Always. Okay, I'm sure you would never trade it for the world. It's definitely awesome. Yeah, it is what it is, bro. You can't, I mean, can't go back now once they're here. Right. Well, that's Bengals wide receiver Tyler. Boy, Tyler, really appreciate your time. Don't get to do this often, so thank you so much. Appreciate you, bro. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we laid out the entire Jonah Williams saga and gave some really interesting perspectives on that to make light of that situation. We heard from Tyler Boyd, who was generous enough to spare a few minutes to talk about uh, his time with the Bengals up to this point, eight years in his career. Before we talk about the center of attention outside of the locker room, and that is Joe Burrow. We want to remind you guys to sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. It's free to sign up. It's easy, and you get the best Bengals reporting in your inbox every day during the week, so make sure you do that. And even though we're talking about all this Jonah Williams stuff, we were texting our subtext subscribers Everything that was going on, when we saw him on the field, when we saw him in the locker room, when we heard from Joe Burrow in the locker room, we were texting everything to our subscribers. And Andrew, Mike, either one of you guys want to tell people why they are missing out if they are not subscribed to our Cincinnati Football Insider Service? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the first thing, you know, I think we were I think the first thing we did when we showed up at practice today was, was Mike let everybody know that, uh, you know, that Jonah Williams was there and present and accounted for. And, uh, you know, that that's the kind of stuff you're going to see in uh, minicamp. There's, you know, trust me, there's not a lot going on at Bengals minicamp. It's uh, it's fairly dry, much more, uh, much less going on, I should say, than people might assume, um, you know, but you, you're going to want to hear that type of stuff. Who's there? Who's not? what guys are saying in the locker room, uh, especially as we get closer to training camp where, you know, you're going to have, uh, you know, all different kinds of things going on. You're going to have full speed drills. You know, we're going to be out on the field kind of taking in a bunch of different things. So you're going to want to hear our thoughts on that. You're going to want to hear some questions that we have for you guys, some questions that we have just in general. So yeah, it's uh, you know, we're getting close to, uh, to training camp and now is kind of the time to, to learn about everything you need to know for, uh, for the upcoming season. Yep, that's right. And if you want to sign up, it's really easy. Just text 513-949-4147. Just text your name to that number. Again, it's 513-949-4147. It's a two-week free trial to start. If you don't like us and you don't like us texting you, no worries. You can cancel anytime. And after that, it's $4.99 a month. And I promise you it's worth it. That's like one cup of coffee at Starbucks. So if you get you like Starbucks, it's worth it. So make sure you sign up. Uh, so we talked about lots of things, but you, you know we can't talk on this podcast without talking about 
these two words, Joe Burrow. Uh, and of course, you know, Joe Burrow, what goes without saying, is a very smart man. And I say he's a very smart man because he knew, he, he just knew uh, this was the second and final time he talked before training camp, which is in a month. He knew questions about the contract were coming. He knew the extension talk was coming. And he responded with the first question about that along the lines of, uh, I think I'm of giving everything to you guys that I'm comfortable giving you. So I will not be taking any more questions until training camp. Uh, so shocker, like we were expecting anything else. Uh, but yeah, we are not going to hear anything about this until training camp, unless a deal gets done between now and then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit on Monday being yesterday, cause we're taping this on a Tuesday. So, you know, there's really not much to talk about there, but I think what's interesting uh, and there's a lot of funny stuff you talked about, too, that I want to get into. But, you know, he was saying that his personal goal is to be the best player in the world. Like That's what he said. So if that's not what he is now, then someone asked him, who is the best player in the world? And he said, I don't think there's any argument that it's Pat Mahomes. So at this point, we, we, we've had so many podcasts debating Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow said himself, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the league. So. Is that it? We're we're not going to debate Mahomes versus Burrow until next year, right? Like, is that pretty much settled the argument? Well, I mean, I think that's where we've come in on that debate as well. So this only confirms what we've already confirmed for ourselves. I don't think it confirms anything. I mean, I I don't think we needed Joe Burrow to say that. I think (laughs) uh, think we kind of knew before. I I mean, Joe Burrow could have gotten up there and said, I'm better than Patrick Mahomes. And we would be (laughs) on this podcast being like all right well we would be really busy if you said that right now yeah we would um but we you know we would be sitting here saying uh no uh that's not true um so uh yeah yeah so but here's maybe a context clue when it goes to the contract stuff and this probably isn't even a context clue so i want your all's take on this so i asked him about you know the farm he bought with blake griffin i think i think it was in iowa that he bought back in january and i think even sam hubbard was in on that and he said oh i'm just diversifying my portfolio and then there was a follow-up that he was asked and he said you know you see guys like lebron james who's like one of his idols and conor mcgregor who have a lot of businesses, a lot of ventures, a lot of projects. But he said, I'm not at that point in my career yet. And I think he said it was like four or five years down the road where he wants to start businesses. And then he said in exact words, I'm still a young pup in my career. I know we've talked about the money is maybe not a priority to him. And he's talked about the importance of keeping Jamar Chase, the importance of keeping T Higgins. But like, if he wants to do all these things in the future, all these business ventures that he hasn't done already, and he's still a young pup in his career, it's pretty safe to say that, like, he is probably going to get more money than a discount, right? Like, he's not – do you think that's a hint that he's not going to take a discount, that he wants the money so he can invest the money? Or is that a completely irrelevant context clue? Is this a, he's going to make <laughs> 200, more than $260 million regardless of if he were to take a discount or not. So, no, we're not going to see a, a Tom Brady odd year <laughs> – like that pretty much writes that off. I mean, but even if he, like, I mean, a discount isn't like it's going to make ten million dollars a year. A discount's going to no, be like, no, no, God, no. I don't mean like, like that. Fifty instead of two sixty, so you still will be very, very, very rich. Yeah, I, I, I guess what I mean is, does he reset the market? Does he beat out Lamar Jackson or Justin oh, Herbert if Herbert gets he, a deal yeah, done? He's yeah. Joe Burrow is going to be very, very soon the highest paid player 
in in the league in terms of you know annual average value. I'm not sure that he'll beat Mahomes' deal of of four fifty plus because uh-huh. I just don't think that um you know he's gonna sign for I'm terrible at math offhand, eight years, nine years, whatever it would whatever it would cost to kind of make that uh make that deal a, a bigger deal. But um yeah, you know, I've I've made this case a bunch on here. I think if Joe Burrow gets fifty-eight million dollars a year, you know, and and that's his and that's his contract that he signs. Yeah, he theoretically left money on the table because if Joe Burrow said, actually, no, I want 60, uh, the Bengals aren't going to tell him no. You know, it's it's a really, really dicey subject. So, yeah, I I mean, I think in, in any case, you're going to hear Joe Burrow left money on the table. And I think, you know, fans kind of like got to understand that, like, unless Joe Burrow did the Tom Brady thing, which I think, you know, he's not going to like unless he did the, you know, the I'm going to take middle of middle of the market value for uh you know for quarterback play you know it's not going to matter in terms of keeping other guys around yeah specifically like t higgins yeah i get it i i just because there's so like little to nothing out there that we know i'm just thinking okay let's um let's put our detective glasses on and look at some context clues oh i want to open my businesses later how do you do that you get your money now how do you get your money now by being the highest paid player in the league what does that mean for you know t and jamar and all these guys but again I, i'm crazy and i think we've established i believe we've established on this podcast that i am crazy so if the listeners didn't know that already uh congratulations now you know um but obviously you know I, and then kind of going back to the ota observations i don't think there was really anything that stood out. I mean, it was kind of like last week. I saw that Jordan Battle got some first team reps. Uh, I even think that there were some reserves uh, on both sides of the ball that got very, very few first team reps. But man, I'm going to tell you who stood out to me. And people might be a little confused. Brad Robbins, I'm telling you right now, not only does that dude have hang time, he can kick it far. There was one point, I think you guys were sitting further in the bleachers. I was sitting near kind of like the ledge and, you know, close to where the field is. He hit a punt. So he's on the opposite sideline of the bleachers we were at. Kicking from the opposite sideline, thereabouts, near the 50-yard line, kicked a ball that almost landed in the stands where the reporters were. Like, that was, I think, the best punt he had all day. And when I saw him punting to Charlie Jones and Trenton Irwin, and I think, uh, you know, yeah, Trenton Irwin and Trent Taylor, Irwin was in, was in there as well, and Kwame Lasseter, uh, there weren't really many returns they had, like, a lot of touchbacks. Uh, I saw they almost um, that when they had the special teams units out there, they had down some balls inside the 10 yard line. I mean, Brad Robbins stood out to me. I, I know maybe that's kind of weird or maybe you guys agree, but was there anyone that made any plays that stood out to you guys in the first day of mandatory mini camp today? So that's the thing, um, you know, not particularly. And, and I don't want that to sound like I wasn't watching or wasn't paying attention or anything. It's just these drills are done by you know very very light you know there's there's not a lot of full speed action so it's just hard to say um you know i i you know paul daner he he made this point before that um you know the the bucket hat is kind of the you know the symbol for i'm not going to go full speed and i think that like dj reader had one on when he was going out there and it's just like you know it, the bengal's as has been discussed by us and you know for for a while that the Bengals are not one of those teams that's going to, you know, try and, you know, work their players as hard as they can all the time. 
Um, you know, they're, they're kind of big on rest and they're big on, on letting guys, you know, go through walkthroughs and mental reps and that side of things. So, yeah, it's just hard to say, you know, who stood out because, you know, when you have walkthroughs or one-on-ones where, you know, the defense isn't, you know, going a hundred percent and the offense isn't going a hundred percent for, you know, nearly the whole practice, it, you just can't really draw too many major conclusions from that. Yeah. There weren't any one-on-ones though. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's yeah. yeah, Like, like, unless there was like, unless there are those situations, you can't really draw anything. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing. I mean, they didn't, they ran, there was the 27 on seven reps and 10 of which went to the first team offense and first team defense against each other. Um, It resembles full speed ish, but the defenders are told, you know, I asked Jamar Chase about this, you know, they're supposed to be allowed to catch the ball. There's supposed to be no contact. You're not really supposed to, you know, blanket them in coverage so it's still not really like real football at all in any way shape or form i think they only threw one pass over 20 yards in the with the first team offense so i mean yeah i mean you know reps on air don't really stand out i think there was a few good passes joe burrow had um it wasn't it was actually during the seven on sevens uh because if they started with the 11 on 11s and then the back half of uh day one was seven on sevens I think there was a nice tiptoe catch I saw from T. Higgins uh, going towards our side of where we were sitting on the sideline. And then I saw another one where you can look at my Twitter for those who don't follow me at Muhammad Ahmad TV. I actually captured this on video. Um, and again, it's routine. There's no tackling. So I don't know how different it'd be in like a game or training camp. But I mean, I think Jamar Chase made a very normal like he, he made a leaping catch over three guys like very normal. And again, this is without contact and this is without any kind of hard hitting. So keep that in mind, but it, it, I don't know. It was still a pretty good progression. So Burrow's fluid. I think he even said it's, it would be a fair statement to say that he's been working different throws and different arm angles. So, I mean, you know, we're not quarterback coaches. That's why Dan Pitcher's a quarterback coach, but I'm sure if you, if you were to somehow get that video and watch it back, maybe he's throwing a little differently. Maybe that's where he's trying to, you know, quote unquote, knock Mahomes off of the top where he is, which Again, I don't think we're going to have that debate for a very long time because it's settled and done. But yeah, nothing really stood out. Maybe that changes uh, tomorrow and Thursday because we're going to see the guys uh, for two more days before things shut down. Uh, stay with us this week. We're going to break those things down for you. We're going to have some unique guests uh, for our uh, podcast on Thursday. I'll tell you more about that later. Uh, and we're going to have some other fun topics to talk about to wrap up the week. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We will see you on Wednesday. Take care.